Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. If you missed last week, uh, we did talk about Thomas, who is uh, not so affectionately known as Doubting Thomas, which is a completely unfair uh, label for him. Uh, Questioning might have been better, uh, but again, in his questions, we get some of the greatest revelations of who Jesus is. And so don't don't hide from the questions. In fact, uh, I think there's times where the church, because it's unwillingness to to step into some of the questions the culture has, we, we have not been able to reveal Jesus in his fullness. And, um, and in fact, what you're going to see today is that the disciples had a similar kind of scenario as Thomas. Uh, the only reason Thomas gets singled out is because he was the one that was late to church. Like, he didn't, he didn't get to the time when Jesus showed up, so Jesus showed up a week later. We're reminded that Jesus is the good shepherd who leaves the 99 and goes and finds the one. He came back just for Thomas, to tell Thomas. He goes, peace to you, walks to Thomas, says, look at my side, look at my arms, and, uh, and, he, and he shows Thomas uh, who he is. And so the only difference is that the, the, the ten had gotten it prior to Thomas. And a week later, Jesus shows up because he wants his people to dwell in unity. And so I, I would encourage you, we talked about doubt and questions, and we're going to do that again today. We are still in Easter time, uh, so I do want to let you know that. Uh, it, it ends with this day of Pentecost, which is May 23rd. Let me just give you a bit of an idea of what we're doing over the next uh, month or so, as especially as we hit to graduations and school getting out and summertime and all the things uh, that are going to happen over the next few months. Uh, May, just over the next few weeks. Next week, we've got, do you guys remember just uh, oh, a month or, month or two ago, maybe more than that, we had a guy named Pastor D.L. Adams in the building, and he got up and shared, and uh, I FaceTimed with him for an hour yesterday. And uh, he's going to be in the building next weekend preaching. And he's got his worship leader who's going to help alongside our worship team leading us in worship. We told you we were going to do it, so it's happening next week. Now, here's the thing he doesn't know, is that at the end, we're going to take a big offering towards their goal of $25,000 before they launch. And I think we could take up a quarter of that. I just think we could knock it out. They've raised about six. They need more. And so I think we could knock out a bunch. And so we're going to do that next weekend with them. And they're launching in Southside. And uh, they were blown away by your hospitality and the way you guys reached out to them and, and loved him. And so we get to meet their family and some of their team uh, next weekend. So don't miss that. Um, I think it's going to be awesome. I don't know yet if he's preaching from the lectionary. I don't really care. I told him to preach what he's got. And, uh, and I'm excited about it. So, um, so it's going to be good. And then we've got baptisms coming up the very next weekend after that, May 2nd. Um, and then after that, we've got Pentecost or Mother's Day on May 9th. Heads up, just mark it. Um, then May 23rd, May 23rd, I just blanked on what May, oh, Pentecost Sunday, hello, uh, Pentecost Sunday, and we're looking towards doing a night of worship on May 23rd, really more of a night of prophetic and prayer, and so I'm really excited about that. So May's going to be a lot of fun, a lot going on, and then summertime hits, and uh, I keep coming up with this 90s song, Summertime, what's that song? Yeah, I don't know if that was it, but I'll do it with that one. Um, I think it was the LFO song. Yo, I did the LFO song when I was in, in college. They did this thing called Spring Sing, and you, it, well, no, it was freshman, we did a freshman thing, and me and a few buddies, because we thought it was hilarious, ended up, do, it was, it was bad. Um, and so, what, I don't even remember how it goes. 
Abercrombie and Fitch, that's right. I like Abercrombie and Fitch. Okay. All right, y'all stop. Um, I saw this video this week where the mom asked the 14-year-old son, how do you hold a phone? And the son went like that. And the, he, she looked at her husband and goes, how do you hold a phone? And he goes like that. And then they were all confused. The son was like, why is he doing that? And it's a good question. Like, why do we do that? Because we don't hold the phone. We do that. Anyways, talked to Donnie and Ruthie about that the other night. Um, where were we? So May 23rd, it's Pentecost Sunday. It's going uh, to be good. And then we hit the summer, and we're working on some plans for that. But it's going to be... It's going to be good. So I want to make sure that you're in church on Sundays because I think the next several weeks is going to be uh, really, really important. Pentecost Sunday launches us into something called ordinary time on the church calendar. And, and it really is about finding Jesus, finding God in the ordinary places of our life and finding him. It's about half the year until we hit Christ the King Sunday. All right, so jump into Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Uh, last week we talked about doubting Thomas. Uh, today we're going to talk through... Uh, a few of the disciples and their response to Jesus, and maybe more importantly, Jesus' response to them. What do we do in the midnight seasons of our lives? How do we live it with peace, uh, which is what Jesus said every time Jesus shows up post-resurrection, he says, peace to you. Every single time Jesus says something about peace to those who see him in his post-resurrection body. And so there's something about this gospel of peace, wholeness, completeness. Remember, what is the last thing he utters on the cross? It is finished. It is a finished work. So when he comes off the cross, out of the grave, into the world, and begins to say peace to you, he's almost, in effect, saying it's finished, it's complete, the work has been done, so have peace because you're whole, you're complete, you're finished. Does that make sense? We can't add anything to it. We can't detract anything from it, even though we try often. That what Jesus accomplished for us. And he began, uh, it's showing us how to live in this new life. So Luke chapter 24, Jesus is showing up with his disciples. Uh, again, what would have happened is there would have been a seven-day uh, period of mourning where you would have gone to your house, you would have shut the door, but left it unlocked. You wouldn't lock it. You would leave it unlocked. And people, friends, family, neighbors would show up uh, because you're in a time of mourning, they would show up whenever. They would bring you a gift or they'd bring you a meal. And they would, they would uh, console you. They would give you a hug. They'd tell you they love you. And that's how you would live. For that seven days, you would be in a period of mourning and you would stay in your home. And they would come to you uh, whenever they would come to you. And that's what should have been happening. The disciples, though, as, you, as we read last week, were a bit fearful. They were a bit worried about what was going on. They got a little bit scared because if Jesus was going to die because of the movement he was starting, then, of course, the people that were helping him start that movement were next in line. And so for the disciples, they were in fear. They were worried. They were scared, uh, justifiably so. And so the disciples had gone and gotten in their house, but they had also locked the door. And some say that it was the upper room, that they were in the upper room here already, uh, where day of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit falls, where they waited on what Jesus had promised. And so the disciples are in their room, locked the door. This is where uh, Thomas misses the first appearance, all right, and Jesus kind of shows up uh, in the midst of them. So let's read Jack, Luke chapter 24, verse 36, and it says this. As they were saying these things, he himself stood, up, um, stood among them, and he said to them, peace to you. There it is, right? There's that phrase, finished, complete, whole to you. You are made whole. 
but they were startled and terrified and, not, and thought they were seeing a ghost. Now, again, this is kind of a theme. When Jesus walks on water, what do they think? They think they're seeing a ghost. Uh, Jesus is always having to reassure uh, his disciples that he is real. So if you've ever felt like God is having to reassure you that he is real, you're in decent company. When you walk into a difficult scenario or situation, when you're in a midnight season and you are curious if God is anywhere to be found, you are a disciple. On many occasions, this is the kind of thing that would happen. So Jesus, and the reason is, is because they had the door locked, remember? I'm sure they looked around and said, hey, who, I thought you locked the door. Who was the last one in the house? We all know that one. Who was the last one here? I'm pretty sure you were the one who were supposed to lock it. No, you were the, yeah, but you were going back out again. So I left it open for you. Yeah, but you didn't go back out. We all know those arguments. Those fun, pointless arguments that bring nothing but heartache and frustration. But they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. Verse 38, Jesus, why are you troubled? He asked them. And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Here's Jesus kind of just coming through the door rather than opening the door. <laughs> Standing in the middle of the room, kind of like a ghost would do. And asking this somewhat um, curious question. Why are you troubled? I know I just, like, levitated on in here. Why are you troubled? He's not just talking about the moment he showed up. He's talking about the fact that in light of his death, they were huddled in a room with the door locked, fearful for their lives. So he's asking the question, why are you troubled? Why, and this is a big question, why, why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands, look at my feet, that it is I, myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can obviously see, I do. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, but while they were still amazed and unbelieving because of their joy, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate it in their presence. Some translations actually say leftover fish. They didn't have time to whip up something new, so they just gave them what they had. And he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he told them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. He also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And the repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Um, I'm, a, uh, I'm full on a t-shirt guy. I know I'm not wearing a t-shirt now, but I am. I'm a t-shirt guy. I'm wearing one under this sweater. Um, just because I don't feel right if I don't have a t-shirt on. I, I wear t-shirts as much as I can. I will convince myself when it's 40 degrees outside that it is t-shirt weather. And then I will bring a jacket. 
Um, I always feel like I need a t-shirt on. That's just how I roll. Uh, I was a flip-flop guy for a very long time, uh, but I wear them out, break them every, uh, break them every summer, and so I'm still looking for my pair for this year. First time I ever preached, my grandfather, Ed Cole, he said, um, the first thing he said after I got off stage, he went to my dad and he goes, why is he wearing flip-flops? <laughs> if you know my grandpa, that's totally it. He didn't care how I preached. He's like, why is he wearing flip-flops? And look, flip-flops got me in a lot of trouble. I tripped on stage multiple times coming up. So I've made some changes. But I'm a t-shirt guy. And one of the things that happens in our home uh, when, when Pastor Mayor um, washes my t-shirts, I'm very particular about my t-shirts uh, because they, if I get a large and it shrinks, it doesn't fit anymore. If I get a medium, it doesn't fit to begin with. And so, so I, need, I need that shirt to simply be washed and not dried. Because if you dry it, it will shrink, and it will be just a, a bigger medium. Like, it's not a large anymore. This company that I'm wearing this sweatshirt from, they actually have a small medium and a medium large. It's kind of brilliant. It's kind of brilliant. Why didn't someone else think about it? Come up with better names. They're not very creative. So Mayor will, uh, Mayor will accidentally, after 15 years, um, I'm just joking. I'm joking. Hey, uh, we, we, I do, I do. No, y'all need to. I have not revealed everything about my life. Y'all don't know me because I've told a story on stage. Y'all need to step back a little bit. All right. Let me, I'm, I'm being vulnerable. This is not how you handle it. And so, and so I, and so when she will, she, you know, she's in a hurry. And there's, there's another part of the story I ain't going to tell because, because the light in the laundry room is broken. It has been for a minute, so she can't always see. So anyways, so she's throwing the thing in there and, um, and, uh, th- you're welcome, babe. And, uh, and so every once in a while she'll shrink a shirt or two and, and I will, I, I, I'm, and then I can't wear them and they'll be like my favorite shirts. And, uh. Because you, you don't wash the ones you don't wear. So I only wear my favorite ones, and I always get dry. And one time I told Mary, I said, babe, I, I, like this thing shrunk. I can't wear this anymore. I can't wear it. Oh, I almost threw somebody under the bus, but I didn't want to. Okay, I'm getting real fun today. And, um, and I, I, I wanted to, um, I, I said, babe, I you can't wear this. She goes, let me work on it. And she puts it in the wash. And then she fluffs it. And then she sets it out. And it dries, and I put it on, and it was like back to life again. I know y'all think that's crazy that I didn't know that. But it it doesn't always work. John, you need to be quiet. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. I was amazed that this thing could become what, what it was before. I didn't I didn't realize that could happen. And I was, as the disciples were in this story, I was struggling with what you might call disbelieving joy. That, you see that? That's a pastor trick. I just, it just came right together. Jesus is standing in the middle of the room. The one who had just died on the cross was lifted up that people might be healed and saved as they look upon him, right? And 
And all of a sudden, he's standing in the middle of the room that the door that was locked because they're fearful for their lives because the one who got killed for starting a movement was the one that led them. And of course, they're the ones that are next to go. And they know that. It's why Thomas in John 11 says, let us go back to, let's go back with him to die. Right? That doubting Thomas who had the courage to say, let's go back with him to die. Who also asked the question of Jesus, hey, how do we know where you're going if we don't know where it is? How do we know how to get there? And he says, Jesus says what? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Because questions are not always bad. Sometimes they get us to the point where we understand something about Jesus we never would have known. Let's give Thomas some more credit. Anyways, Jesus, in the middle of the room, standing there with his resurrected body, the disciples, a little bit amazed. It actually says, while still unbelieving because of their joy. I don't know if you've ever lived there. I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you, where you have the joy that you know Jesus is who he says he is. You know it. And yet you've got these places in your life that you are just a little bit uncertain of. That you are not confident in. Maybe you've got some things you're praying through. Maybe you've got some issues that you have yet to face. Maybe there's challenges around you. Or maybe you're just looking at the landscape of our country or our world and going, how in the world is this? kingdom of heaven. How in the world is Jesus at work in this? How is the Holy Spirit actually doing things in this? And there they are with the joy because it's possible that's Jesus while also wrestling with the disbelief that how in the world could that be Jesus? This shirt didn't fit five hours ago. But it does now. This, and maybe you've had these moments of your life where you had this joy that was, that was so beyond your own making it up. It wasn't just this happiness created by great circumstances. It was a joy that had been resolved in your spirit that, that denied even and pushed back against circumstances. And there's this joy. And then you hit Monday. And we've all wrestled with these things. And Jesus shows up and he asks two really important questions. He asks this question of why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise where? In your heart. Now a reminder... So the Hebrew writers and Greek writers, the heart would have been the seat of all of yourself. It would not have been, as we tend to make it, completely and only relegated to feelings. It would have been where, where all of who we are sit. And so, yeah, you think from your heart. You reason from your heart. You feel from your heart. There, there is an understanding in the writers that there's, there's something more than just that you feel something, but there's actually something else more full happening in your heart. Why do doubts arise in your heart? And I wonder if, if you and I, in our doubts, and what some might call our deconstruction, it, it, as we wrestle with things of faith, and we said this last week, listen, we all, at some level, unpack the generations prior to us, and what they've handed to us. That does not mean we throw out everything. It means that we process it for today. There's a reason we stopped all wearing suits to church all the time. But every once in a while, you should try it. 
There's a reason uh, we started playing different music. There's a reason we, there's all kinds of things that we all live in different cultural contexts. We all live in different seasons of life. But what we tend to do is be arrogant in our deconstruction. But arrogance doesn't fit that. I, I was listening to someone this week, and it is, it is so simple, and it's purely this. Humility is the way forward. Humility is the way forward. Not arrogance. Not, it is humility that allows us to step into each of the cultural things that we are dealing with as a people. Be praying for Minneapolis this week. Be praying with the, with, with the verdict that's going to come out, with everything that's already happened just in the last week and a half. Be praying that people there are able to walk in peace and comfort and joy and that the church in these moments would rise up in strength. Amen? But we, we have to be people who walk with humility. Even, even in our, it's what we said last week, Dallas Willard says this, right? Uh, doubt your doubts. Believe your beliefs. Then doubt your beliefs and believe your doubts. In all these things, you will begin to walk into wisdom and truth. So here are these, here are these guys, and Jesus looks at them and says, why are you troubled? I think he knew the answer. I don't think Jesus is being ignorant of what had just happened to him. I think he remembers what had happened just a few days prior. Okay, but Jesus is asking this question of his disciples because for three years he'd been preparing them. But, but I love that Jesus came back to them because he knew the job had not yet been done. And he says, peace to you. And he says, why are you troubled? And why are doubts arising in your hearts? In my seasons of greatest doubt, they're usually preceded by a moment or a circumstance that I could not explain. Sometimes our doubts arise because of misconceptions about Jesus. Right? The disciples, including Thomas, would not have fully understood the resurrection. It's why, just a few verses later, what do we see? Jesus opening up the Scripture to them. There's misconceptions we have of Jesus. That's why our vision here is that you would see Jesus. To see Jesus like never before in ways, and one of the greatest things you could ever say to me after we get done preaching is for you to come up and say, I've never heard that before. Now, we're not trying to just come up with all new things. The church has done very well sticking to certain things over a long haul. And we're going to keep doing that. Jesus is the center. Amen? We believe in all those things. We, 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 so we adhere to the creeds. We adhere. But when we walk through these, these seasons of doubts, what, what happens? Sometimes it's misconceptions or certain things that had been handed to us over our lifetime. Things that maybe uh, were still being processed, like a family we hand things to our children, hand things to certain people, and sometimes we don't do it perfectly. Can we all be okay with that? That sometimes we haven't always given the next generation, and I know that this may never happen, that we may not have given people the perfect picture of who Jesus is because we are all still looking upon a mirror. And there is a day when we will fully look upon Jesus and go, oh, oh. I heard someone say this recently, that heaven will be the great deconstruction. That when you get to heaven and you see Jesus and you see splendor and you see majesty and you see glory and you see all the things, then you'll go, oh, man, I've been carrying this stuff for so long. That's why N.T. Wright talks about this idea that we, even as Christians, there is so much more to Jesus than we ever give him credit for. 
As Mark Sayers says, and yes, I'm just quoting all these people in case you disagree. It's their fault. But he always says, and, and, and this is not a new thought, but that every generation thinks we've ended up at the end of history. That somehow we've arrived at the one place in time where we finally understand everything that was meant to be understood. And so let us tell you guys how you guys did it wrong. And all generations in the room, every generation in the room can relate to that. We've all looked at previous generations and future generations and been like, what are you doing? Why are you in a public place dancing to a TikTok video on your phone? Why are you doing that? <laughs> oh. But you do you. We all have these places where we are peeling away layers of things. Our problem currently is that we have, we've done more than peel away. We have, we have almost done this, this um, dis- destroy, demolition kind of thing where we've just taken a hammer to everything that was because there's just no chance there's any truth here. As though we're the first generation to have ever walked through seasons that caused us to doubt. Seasons that cause us to deconstruct. Seasons that cause us to wonder. Seasons that cause us to go, is there really any hope here? The other one is, is, this, is this is a tough one, is disappointment. The other reason we end up in, in a place of doubt is that we didn't get what we expected to get. We didn't end up in the place we expected to end up. We didn't have the things we expected to have. We walked through some difficult scenarios or situations. We lost someone we had prayed every day for. We, we, we lost a job that we thought was our dream job. We, we lost a marriage when we thought it was perfect. We, 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 all these kinds of things, traumatic things that, that really take the wind out of us. And in the process of trying to get the wind back, we're making decisions about how we should live. And we, there, are, there are these traumatic events that happen to us. And I would say that the disciples, the ones that Jesus is standing in the midst of, those disciples had just been through both of those scenarios. And there's more. There's more. But, but the, the, here are the disciples, both one, having misconceptions about what Jesus was there to do. Jesus was, was there to bring a new kingdom, but it wasn't going to be through military might. It wasn't going to be through political prowess. It was going to be through sacrificial love to the point of death. And they didn't understand that, no matter how much Jesus had tried to hint and tell them about it. The second one was traumatic. They, they, they quite literally watched the one they had walked with for three years, who had said he was bringing a new kingdom and a new way and a new earth, Die the most humiliating death on a cross. And so, of course, when when he shows up in the middle of the room and says, why are you troubled? Where have these doubts arisen? They can point to the last week. Well, we started the week with everybody praising you. We ended the week with everybody wanting you dead. That was hard. You said you were bringing a new heaven, a new earth, and then you died. That was difficult. We we thought you were going to do it a completely different way, and you didn't. Now I'm disappointed. I'm frustrated. 
this isn't to somehow diminish the pain and the difficulties we've gone through. It is to say that Jesus meets us in the middle of them every single time. What's really interesting about Jesus is while they are in their disbelieving joy, Jesus, who they've mistaken as a ghost, Jesus asks a simple question. Um, Y'all got something to eat? I'm hungry. It's been been a whirlwind these last few days. You got something to eat? Disciples go, uh, yeah, Peter didn't finish his fish. Do you want some? Here you go. And Jesus sits down and begins to break bread. And then he begins to break bread. Something that Jesus does, in fact, in the story just before this, he's walking with two men who don't understand who he is. They don't recognize him for who he is. They're talking about this resurrected Savior, but they don't really know. And Jesus is right there with them, walking with them. And then Jesus then Jesus sits down to eat with them. And it's not until he eats with them that their eyes are open to who Jesus is. There's this wild story. I read it just this week in Exodus when the elders had come off the mountain and they're there. And, and the, the first thing they do after Ten Commandments and everything had gone on, the first thing they do is sit down in the presence of the Lord and have a meal. Like, I know we want to make this the best and only place you can meet Jesus. But every time I look at the Gospels, the best place to meet Jesus is at the table, breaking bread, because every table is an altar. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. They thought he was Casper. But everybody knows Casper can't eat. How many of us walking into rooms and places looking like Casper? Acting like we got all the answers, like we got everything put together, all things are good, all things are perfect. And people are just looking at us going, could you sit down and eat with me and be real with me and be honest with me and walk through stuff with me and carry burdens with me and deal with issues with me and let and pray with me? And don't be scared to pray with me because you don't want to tread on the uh, pol- uh, being polite or, 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 or trying. No, you, you, if, you, if I got something I need, just pray with me. And if I say no, just try again next week. But could you at least sit down? Because I found that I can't, I, I got to be a real person when I eat. I'm not good at knowing which fork to use, when to use it. I always forget to put my napkin on my lap. Right? You find things out about people around the table. And Jesus, instead of expositing Scripture standing in the middle of the room, which would have been perfect and theatrical and all the things, says, do you have some leftover food? I'm going to sit down. I'm going to prove to you that I am your Savior. And when we sit, I'm going to break this open. And your minds are going to be renewed. And you're going to begin to discover who I really am. It's really interesting to me, as I, as I walk this through with a few of my buddies this week, just as we, every week we get together and we talk around uh, some of the things that we're going to be preaching on. 
And, uh, and I, I said this to them. I said, you know, it's, it's weird, but I'm, I feel like as I'm watching Jesus handle this situation where doubt has arisen in their hearts, why they're, where they're troubled and they're fearful and they're worried, it's weird, but I feel like what I'm watching Jesus do is, is show us what the Holy Spirit will do. Like Jesus shows up in the room and begins to comfort. Peace. Jesus sits down with the disciples and begins to break bread. And Jesus begins to open their minds to what Scripture. So when Jesus says to them, don't leave, don't leave, don't go anywhere, because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to remind you, John 14, to remind you of things that I've said, to be your comforter, right, to be your advocate, which just means to one like the other one, right, to give the fruit of the Spirit, to give the gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so many things to us, and it's almost like Jesus is going, hey, let me just show you. As you walk this thing out, as you go into the earth, as you go into all the different places you're going to go, I just want to show you what the Holy Spirit's going to do. The Holy Spirit's going to remind you of what I've said. The Holy Spirit's going to be present in your trouble. The Holy Spirit's going to be present in your worries, in your difficulties. The Holy Spirit's going to be present in your challenges. The Holy Spirit's going to unlock Scripture for you so that you see it clearly. And the Holy Spirit is going to be present in all things. Such a beautiful picture to see Jesus doing what he's sending the Holy Spirit to do. Let's go back to this question. Why are you troubled? Why are doubts arising in your hearts? I think we need to answer that real question. Are we doubting because we're offended? Are we doubting because we're hurt? Are we doubting because we're disappointed? But let me, let me flip the question. Sometimes to do the inverse is to help us better understand. Why does belief fill your heart? Why do doubts arise? Sure. But why? Why does belief, faith, and hope fill your heart? Now maybe that's a better question to answer as we celebrate Easter. Yeah, because we're still in Easter. Yeah, because Jesus died and still risen. When we think about who we are and what we're walking through and what we're dealing with, do we believe that Jesus died on a cross and rose from the grave? Because for Paul, that changed everything. Paul didn't repeat any parables. Didn't tell me all the healing miracles. Paul told us one thing. Jesus died. was buried again. So I understand why doubts arise. Why does faith arise? What are you putting your faith in? What are you putting your trust in? Because if Jesus rose, that changes everything, doesn't it? Present or future trouble changes everything. Present, future success changes everything. Jesus alive. So Jesus sat with his disciples and said, you are witnesses. And I have this theory that Jesus was not trying to get them to go straight into doing all the work and to getting all the things done and to saving all. Jesus' first priority coming off the cross 
was to make sure that the ones he loved, that the ones he gave his life to, the ones that he had spent three years with, the ones that he had spent all this time with, that they believed. They had confidence. Why does he look at Thomas and say, don't be an unbeliever? He's not condemning Thomas. He's not making Thomas feel bad for it. He's yearning and desiring with all of who he is. Thomas, don't. Don't do that. Believe. I know doubts will come. I know worries will show up. I know challenges will face you. I know hurt and pain that is inexplainable, that you can't fight through on your own. I know all of that. That's why I'm here, to show you the marks in my hands and the marks on my side, to show you that my love for you has no limits. And that's why I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, so that in all things, when you sit with those wrestling with doubt, you would sit with them. You would have a meal with them. Because in the questions, in the discussion, in the conversation, you would begin to see the real Jesus, the Jesus that would show up to his disciples when he could have reprimanded them for fearing, could have reprimanded them for being all. And he goes, no, let's just give me some fish. Let's sit down. Let's talk this through. That's why we do dinner parties, not just to have a good time, not just to get together, but to have a place where people can come, sit at the table, and begin to talk through the things they're wrestling with, and find a people who love Jesus so much that we love people so much, and we're willing to listen, and walk, and carry. So what did you find out about Jesus today? What do you discover about Jesus today? What did you, how do you see Jesus different today than you saw him before you walked in? I'm going to pray in a moment. I want to just give you 30 seconds. Just ask the Holy Spirit right now. Some of you are comfortable with this. Some of you are not. That's fine. But I believe the Lord wants to speak to you. And while I know I've said some things that might be decent and good, man, the Holy Spirit knows what to speak directly to you. I want you to begin to learn what it is to commune with him, to sit at the table with him, to see him unlock scripture to you. So I want you to take 30 seconds or so. I'm just going to give you some quiet. I want you to ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit come, speak. Speak to my heart, speak to my life. What is it that you want me to walk away from today? some of you today, he's saying, I'm close. For some of you, the Holy Spirit's saying, I know there's doubts, but what fills your heart with belief? I know you've got some disbelieving joy, but come close. For some, he's unlocking scripture. pray right now over every life and over every person, every family represented, God, over every couple, every, every person, but we pray right now in Jesus' name, 
where there's trouble, where there's doubt, that we would see Jesus. That you are not far from us. You are not hidden from us. God, that we would not see you as a ghost that scares us. We'd see you as the one and only Savior who makes all things new. For some of you today, right now, this is just the perfect time, perfect opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And there's all kinds of things I can tell you to pray and all kinds of things that we can work through, and we'll do that together. But I just want you to pray one simple prayer, and you can say it in your own words. It's very short. I want you to simply say this, God, I give you my life. For some of you, for the first time today, you feel like, yeah, this is it. I need the God who sits with me. God who walks these things to out with me. Some of you right now, just say that prayer in your own heart, in your own mind. Just say it out loud. Whatever you want to do. God, I give you my life. My failures, my frustrations, my sin, my successes, my dreams, my desires. I give you 